On this week's episode, will a star being born be stricken with some venom? What to look forward to this weekend in the UFC? And is this truly the end for Captain America? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the biggest fan for the Golden Girls. You got to check out everything that's going on with Humanica Media today at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and so much more. It is the man with the plan when it comes to Humanica Media. It is Josh Peterson. Golden Girls are back and always with you, my friend. I know, I know. It's just a great t-shirt. You know, they were ahead of their time. They really were. And people just don't appreciate it these days. I'm sure their production company still gets residuals at some point in time from somewhere, from someplace. But it is going to be another great episode of the PCC Multiverse. We've got on tap for you today, AJ Atulo from That Sports Card Show and the Ohio Combat Sports Academy. He is stopping by to talk about this weekend's big fight in the UFC, Khabib. And no, don't even ask me to say his last name because pretty much no one else is. It is just so long and just so hard to pronounce. He faces off against Conor McGregor. That's going to be a big-time matchup this weekend for the lightweight championship for USC. AJ is going to break down the fight and tell us what to look forward to should Connor be the favorite? Should Khabib, the Eagle, who has the advantage on the ground? What kind of strategies should they employ in the fight? And also, who does he think will come out on top? And when? Is it going to be by knockout? Is it going to be by decision? He's going to share that information and more on today's episode. Plus, we've also got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's going to preview week five in the NFL And Josh and I are going to be talking about on the back end about a lot of good stuff, including the official name for the Star Wars series and what that all means. And also, should you hold off on buying a Nintendo Switch this holiday? Because some stuff came out recently that might have your attention when it comes to buying a Switch this holiday season. And is it time for us to say goodbye to Captain America? Because for Chris Evans, it might just be. And we'll talk about the possibility of that happening. And if we actually believe it is truly going to be the end of Captain America later on in the show. But first off, my friend, it is going to be, I think, a closer battle than what a lot of people are expecting this weekend in the box office. As A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper debuts this weekend and it faces off against something you and I have talked about now for several months and that is Venom. Your thoughts on this weekend in the box office and we'll start off with Venom. It's projected to get domestically around 
$60 million per se and about $150 to $175 million worldwide in its opening weekend. A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga it looks to be doing about $30 million here in the States. But first off, we'll focus on Venom. Your thoughts on Venom? And well, quite frankly, there's been some venomous reviews for this movie so far, something which was not unexpected by us here on the show and something that was probably not unexpected for a lot of people out there. How do you think that's going to affect the movie this weekend and also long term? I am actually, I want to see A Star is Born far more than I want to see Venom. And that's why I brought it up because (laughs) a lot of people are changing their minds and going in that direction because all the momentum in the past month has shifted towards A Star is Born and away from Venom. And it now looks like, well, you know, if you ask me, it could be a toss-up long-term domestically. I'm not talking about worldwide numbers long-term domestically here in the United States that A Star is Born could have a lot more lasting power than Venom. Yeah, also, I think A Star is Born has the advantage of possibly being a um, Oscars. The Oscars. It's got a lot of Oscar buzz going yeah. on, a lot of talk about Bradley Cooper and also Lady Gaga getting some high mention from an acting sense, but also from a musical standpoint, even though this is the fourth rendition of a star is born this is the third remake of it this still looks like it's going to be a very good chance that it might have its name called upon early next year when it comes to the oscars see i didn't know that it was a remake so that's interesting to me i yeah, a star is born has been remade three different times so it's actually the fourth iteration of star is born the last time i believe was the barbara streisand chris christopherson movie that's crazy I, yeah i honestly had no idea no, I was going to say, though, like there are a lot of music movies, I guess. It was uh, Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. Anne Hathaway's got one on Amazon Prime that's not bad called Song One. It's a very formulaic like genre of film, but still people like them. And like I personally, I haven't gotten tired of them yet. So I, I do enjoy watching them, which brings me to my next point is that if I got to choose between A Star is Born and Venom, I'd probably go see A Star is Born. Yeah, so you're talking about the reviews with Venom, and they're, they are like all over the place. They can't make up their mind. And the thing that people like about the movie is not necessarily flattering, though. You know, it's like they like the way that it's bad in a good way. Like, that's, that's all I can think when people are describing it. It's like, it's not as bad as I thought, but that's not really good, though, still, you know? And it's, I don't know. I just, when, when Spider Man came out, Spider-Man movies, for example, they have this hype level and I'm always excited to go see them. But with this movie, I could honestly care less. Like I could not see it in theaters and be perfectly fine with it. And that's what kind of makes me sad about this is that they're kind of Sony is burying themselves. And yeah, I don't know, man. What? How do you feel about it? They didn't actually hear a lot of what was being said about it. They didn't actually listen to our shows in the past. And I'm talking about Sony that ever since that first trailer came out you and i had our trepidations in regards to venom we both thought it was not going down the right path and i don't know where you're hearing positive reviews my friend because the highest grade i've seen and i haven't looked at metacritic and i haven't looked at rotten tomatoes yet but i know from my viewing as far as all the reviews that i've seen i've seen about four or five They've all been substandard, which I think 5.5 out of 10, I think, was the highest I've seen so far. Well, the good reviews that I'm reading, they're not 
good reviews though they're good they're like outlining the stuff about the movie that they thought were going to be horrible but weren't as bad as they thought but still not good so they're not like positive positive reviews they're just positive in a non-negative kind of positive way i guess if that makes well sense. i'm taking three things from it myself first off they think the only thing that's of redeeming value is the symbiotic relationship between tom hardy and venom himself number two is that they also say that there are points in time where it is very funny but these reviewers are not sure if those scenes that they're laughing at hysterically are actually supposed to be hysterical moments in the film. And number three, the villain and the corporation, as far as whenever it shifts towards them, the movie takes a big time downturn. And I've seen that across the board, that that's actually one of the greatest weaknesses in the movie is in regards to that. And actually number four, they say the actual romance between Michelle Williams and Tom Hardy that has zero chemistry and really falls flat on the screen. That doesn't surprise me. They didn't really highlight that much in the trailers. It was more just action sequences and, you know, just watching with horrified eyes as the symbiote takes over the, the people inside the glass boxes or whatever. I don't know. Like, I, I wanted to say originally that they did it. A, right now, they're doing like a, a decent job of marketing it, even though it's not getting great reviews because I've been reading these things where Tom Hardy's going to movie theaters and talking with fans and from what i understand he's like one of the only good things about that movie and even like that people are still upset that such a high caliber actor stoops so low to be in something like this well his son is a big fan of venom and that was the primary motivation in him taking upon the role of venom but i told you from the get-go that when he was in reporter mode that seemed totally out of place as far as his accent in San Francisco. Just seemed It just seemed all out of place as what was going on in the context of that. I know a lot of people give a lot of slack to the previous iteration of Venom on screen, but be that as it may, I kind of liked the way it, it, was, it was generated on screen with the on-screen jealousy towards Peter Parker generating into something more when it came to Venom and how it intertwined with all the things with J. Jonah Jameson and all that. Uh, I just kind of liked how that materialized and how Venom incorporated himself into that jealousy that was there. I don't see any of that. And this just seems to be like a standard formulaic villainy as far as a, a, the corporation building something or, or creating something or discovering something and trying to incorporate it into human testing. And, and of course, it only works with Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy's character. And it just it just doesn't seem to work out. It just it makes me upset that they didn't incorporate at all Spider-Man or the Marvel Cinematic Universe at all and are trying to keep it separate. And I think that was also a big mistake. That's going to lead to lower numbers overall long-term for the movie. And I think after a decent opening weekend, I think it's going to fall flat very soon. No, I agree. And it's... You know, you watch the trailers and you read the reviews and it, it kind of feels to me like the story and the the larger, you know, trying to connect it to Spider-Man was an afterthought in this movie that it seems like they're more concerned with like the the action sequences and the set pieces and the, the explosions and the fighting and the sheer madness of it all instead of trying to create a coherent story that has depth and emotion to it, which is possible as we've seen with the with the mcu they just sony missed the marker it seems 
it looks like it and their reluctance to incorporate venom at all into the marvel cinematic universe or even really combine it with the spider-man and have spider-man involved in some form or fashion kind of takes away from it as well and it just seems like after a little while it's going to be a movie that really no one will care about and not only will damage venom long term with all the bad and tepid reviews that it's gotten already it's also going to hurt any of these other sinister six movies that they've talked about or Craven the Hunter, Silver Sable, or any of these other side stories that they wanted to go ahead and say in the Spider-Man universe that they're probably not going to be able to tell unless they actually appear on screen in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I would not want to see a Sinister Six movie without Spider-Man because that's what makes the, the story great. It's the first time in the comic books he seemed completely overwhelmed, and that's kind of what gives that story its oomph. But... I'm not a huge fan. I'd never liked the idea of Sony spinning off its own Spider-Man universes minus Spider-Man. That's just that's it. All it is, it's a cash grab. They want money. They want to try to do what everyone else is doing, and they're just not good at it. Because from the the what the interviews I saw with Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige, like he's not too thrilled about it. He seems to me like he would rather it not happen. I don't blame him a bit after seeing the results of Venom and how I think long-term it's really not going to be that successful. I think it will do okay overseas for a little while, but I think it will die. I think it will die a quick death once the other holiday movies come out, which is going to be very disappointing for those that are big fans of Venom, big fans of Spider-Man and hoping for some type of universe that's central to Spider-Man and the characters that support him. So unfortunately, that's not going to be the case this time around. One thing I did want to ask you is that I said in the beginning that I thought that over the long haul, not first weekend wise, but over the long haul, I think Star is Born domestically will eventually outpace Venom. Star is Born looking like it's getting a lot of, like you said, Oscar rub, Oscar attention, maybe for the acting, but definitely for the music. It's something that obviously a lot of people are actually looking forward to. It's actually projecting out to be a $30 million plus weekend for A Star is Born. Your thoughts on A Star is Born, and do you think eventually long-term that it will surpass Venom, giving it the ultimate ha-ha and the ultimate, uh, I guess, uh, humiliation for Sony's Venom character? I think The weekend will predict that. Like I said, these movies are all very formulaic, but the formula is good. So if people keep going to, uh, if, if word of mouth is good and people go to see it and people like it, you know, it's got the, it's got a pretty powerful cast, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. So if people are liking it and it gained, it's one of those movies like The Foreigner, like that was one of those movies that like, it didn't do very well each weekend, but over the weekends, like it made more and more money and eventually became something that was successful so i think maybe that's what we're going to see with the stars born i think it'll have a better hold in its second weekend and by the time you see maybe four or five weeks down the line you will start to see venom really drop off and you'll see a star is born finally gain back back that difference from that first weekend back as far as long haul it's also the type of movie a lot of people will see during the week So let's not forget that as well. And I think that will lead to not only a domestic haul that will surpass Venom, but also a lot of surprising results as well for anyone that's a supporter of the film. 
But now I'm really leaning on the side eventually long term. The prospects for A Star is Born is looking a lot better at this point in time than for Venom. Well, look at what I said earlier with uh, Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. Like that was a movie that no one expected to do well and it ended up, you know, blowing people's socks off. It was a movie that no one thought was going to do well and it ended up getting all this, you know, Oscar buzz. So I, I kind of see that happening with A Star is Born. So yeah, man, I, it's. I think people are, it's going to be one of those movies, you know, people are going to go see it in the mornings. You have your senior citizens going to see it on the weekdays and stuff like that. And it may be, you know, who knows? I, it, it depends on how I, I need to see where Venom ends this weekend at, and then you can kind of predict it from there. But if, you know, I don't, I don't see uh, stars born making, you know, anything ridiculous, but it could, I think just the fact that it has Oscar buzz may, would make it something worth seeing over Venom in itself. Well, this is true, and I think word of mouth is going to spread in the favor of A Star is Born. And like I said, that first weekend, comic book fans are going to sport Venom to the tune of maybe even double of what A Star is Born is going to do in its first weekend domestically. But long term, you're going to see probably a big drop second weekend for Venom. And then after that, you're going to see A Star is Born close the gap, especially on those weekend days, and eventually outpace, in my opinion, venom when it comes to long term at the domestic box office worldwide i still think venom because of the fact that it's a comic book movie i think that translates a little bit better overseas but i don't see the big returns for the movie at all and i i see this as probably especially with something with as high a budget as for venom that it has i see something that's not going to bode out well for the movie long term and also not bode out well for the spider-verse as well what are your thoughts on A Star is Born and Venom? Do you think that these two movies will actually end up staying the way most project out for the first weekend? Or do you think A Star is Born will actually end up being more successful over the longer period of time? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter. And then don't forget, we want to hear your thoughts on Venom and A Star is Born just send us your thoughts. You can send it through social media, email, what have you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on either or both movies as well. This is going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got AJ Otulo from That Sports Card Show and the Ohio Combat Sports Academy coming up next. He's going to be talking about this weekend's fight in the UFC between Khabib the Eagle and Conor McGregor. And then right after that, Tyler Baker previews week five in the NFL and after that, Josh and I will be back on the back end talking about a lot of good stuff when it comes to Captain America saying goodbye, possibly for the final time. Is that true? And also Star Wars. What's in the name when it comes to Mandalorian? And also, why should you maybe hold off on a Nintendo Switch this holiday? This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com 
That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the program. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Well, it's a big fight coming up this weekend in the UFC as only they can do it. It is the man himself. He's very shy when he's actually out there in the ring. It is Conor McGregor. Okay, I'm just kidding. He's actually very out there, as everyone knows. It is Conor McGregor. He returns to a UFC ring this Saturday. And I'll tell you what, it is really going to be a big fight as he squares off against Khabib Eagle. Looks like it's shaping up to be a very good fight. And here to break down everything when it comes down to that fight, his father is the host of That Sports Card Show podcast. You got to check it out today on Apple Podcasts and so many other different outlets. It is his son. So we all know Vince Atulo because he's been on the show before, but his son is here today. It is AJ Atulo producer for that show and also a member of the ohio combat sports academy how are you today very good how about yourself i'm doing well i'm getting excited for this fight weekend and even though it is hard for me and pretty much everyone out there including the ufc to say khabib's last name correctly <laughs> it is still does not and should not take away from the extreme talent this man has as he squares off against what you and I both would probably know as the face of the UFC as far as what they want to show you, especially after signing a multi-fight deal in Conor McGregor. Oh, 100%. This man's grappling talent is far beyond, I think, what the UFC has basically ever seen. Once he gets some hands locked around you, there's nothing that you can do, really. That is the case. But in breaking down, this is a major fight and probably the most anticipated fight in the UFC this year. It was kind of shaky so far when it was looking for Conor McGregor's future in the UFC, but now that he has signed a multi-fight deal, I believe it's six fights if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So now that he's signed that multi-fight deal, he is looking to go ahead and reclaim his position at the top of the boards when it comes to UFC, not only with his mouth, but with his actions, something he's traditionally done in the past. I'm going to ask you right off. Khabib is more than worthy. He is the champion going into this. What are your thoughts as far as Khabib's chances in defending his title against everybody's well-known UFC contender in Conor McGregor? Well, I'd just like to preface this that Khabib is extremely talented and in no way am I detracting from Khabib's superior wrestling tactics. In all of his past matches, he's completely dominated you know, never lost a round. You know, people point to the Glyson Seabow fight and like, oh, well, he stuffed his takedowns. That doesn't matter to me. Khabib has got a sterling record, 26-0. Obviously, he has mowed down the competition. He may have lost, what you say, a, a round or two or whatnot, but that's incredible considering the fact that he has fought 26 times in mixed martial arts, has come out unbeaten. He is the reigning champion in that division. And Connor comes in as he doesn't even come in as the underdog because in Vegas, where I'm at, he is still listed as a slight favorite going into the match. Really? Based off his popularity, people love to put money on McGregor. People are really just trying to go ahead and think of him as a favorite because he is the well known prospect. And the idea, I think, is to get Khabib over as someone more prominent in the eyes of, of the UFC fight fan and the UFC world out there. I think at this point, 
why do you think that Khabib should be considered the favorite? Because, like I said, the money's going to go on Connor uh, and heavy on Connor because that's who people are familiar with. Why should people think about maybe favoring Khabib instead? Like I said before, I, I don't want to detract from Khabib's talent, at least wrestling, but I'd actually choose Connor as the favorite in this. That's what I'm saying. Connor is the favorite according to Vegas right now. Not only because of that familiarity, but the you know obviously the sheer talent that he has. Even though he does have a blemish record against what Khabib brings to the table, Khabib may have not fought the competition that Connor has. So I think that's probably one thing that weighs in Connor's favor. So at this point in time, it looks like it is still going to be a great fight. But when you break it down. What are some of the things that Connor has to do to go ahead and make sure he comes out on top with Khabib? Well, the first thing he's going to have to do is he's going to have to get to the center of the cage first. So both of these guys are tremendous pressure fighters. The first thing that Connor likes to do is he likes to back you up into the cage and make sure that you are feeling that fence and use a lateral movement to make sure that you cannot outcircle him and get back to the center and make sure that you can't fight for that center. He is super comfortable in the center of the octagon to make sure that he's got room to move, you know, move back just in case somebody throws something heavy. He likes movement. So he, he, he tends to stay in the center of the octagon and the rounds that he tends to lose, you know, i.e. Nate Diaz are the rounds that his back is up against the fence. So the first battle is to see who can get to the center of the octagon because Khabib, he tends to want to be, you know, in the center too, but the, the way, the way he closes distance is very different. The way you see Khabib close distance is usually he might get backed up a little bit, but once he feels that fence, he knows that he has to either shoot or close the distance to shoot. And the way he closes distance is a lot different from Connor in in the fact that you know he isn't using strikes masterfully and controlling distance. He's mostly throwing overhands and flying knees so that he can work to a clinch on the fence. And so that's where I think the difference comes in when you're fighting somebody like Connor McGregor, who who is a master of distance. When you're fighting somebody like that who can frustrate you and can outmaneuver you and can cut off the cage, his game plan is to get you to blitz forward like Khabib does a lot in a lot of his fights. So unless he has a different plan than the one that he has had in these past 26 fights, which I don't think that he will, as good as Javier Mendez and AKA is, I don't see him winning against Conor McGregor. When it comes down to it, you think that Conor is going to come out on top and final predictions, do you think it's going to be coming out as far as a going to the cards, going to the judges, or do you think that it's going to end early via KO or TKO? I would guess second or third round knockout by Conor McGregor. And I say that because however much we want to say that Conor McGregor is a great striker, Khabib is a great wrestler, and I do see him putting him down at least once or twice. Once again, I am with AJ Altulo. He is producer for That Sports Card Show podcast, you got to check it out on Apple Podcasts and so many other outlets. It is the best show when it comes to deciphering the world of sports card and collectibles. You got to listen to that show when it comes to what's going on with baseball, football, basketball, hockey. And I am actually going to have his dad on in the near future, hopefully, Vince Otulo, to talk more about what's coming up for this fall in sports cards. One last thing, my friend, when I talk to you about this weekend's card in the UFC, 
Is there anybody that stands out that you think might become the next Conor McGregor, the next Khabib, the next main event level UFC player based off of a fight that they're going to take part in this weekend? Yes, 100%. Sugar Sean O'Malley. I think he's just such a dynamic striker and he's got all these knockouts to his name. Just the weird way that he attacks you, weird, lanky, bantamweight. He's 5'11", as tall as me, but 135 pounds. Real interesting personality. He's not even ranked, but he's already got a legion of followers. So uh, I see him being your next charismatic figure of the UFC. That is a very astute perception as far as who to look for in the undercard. It is, once again, AJ Atulo of That Sports Card Show podcast. He was going ahead and sharing his thoughts on the fights this weekend in the UFC with the lightweight title fight between Conor McGregor and the champion, the Eagle Khabib. And I'm not going to try and say his last name because if you can, there's a lot of money coming your way as far as being able to pronounce it time and time again. Can you tell us a little bit about why the Ohio Combat Sports Academy is the place to go in Ohio if you want to go ahead and learn more about the mixed martial arts world? Well, it's an academy run by Dustin Ware, established jiu-jitsu name in Columbus and in all of Ohio in association with SAS which is George Grizel's team, which, as you might know, is a former UFC fighter. First, I believe the first American black belt in the UFC. Just a great jiu-jitsu pedigree. They have kickboxing classes twice a week. Fantastic jiu-jitsu program. If you go to any Ohio jiu-jitsu competition, then they're going to be there. And once again, that is the Ohio Combat Sports Academy. For more information, you can check that out today on ohiocombatacademy.com. Well, AJ, it's been great talking some UFC action. Next time there's a big UFC fight coming up, whether it's in my town or anywhere else in the world, I hope you'll get a chance to stop by and talk with me again. And also tell your dad I said hello, and I'm looking forward to talking some sports cards with him as well. All right. Sounds great, and I will. All right. Thanks again, AJ. Appreciate you talking the fight game with us, some mixed martial arts with us, and so glad to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious wheelie q rubs seasonings and gluten-free barbecue sauce made with the finest ingredients wheelie q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals whether it's ribs chicken steak hamburgers fries or vegetables To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the show. Once again, it's Gerald coming right back at you here. And it is going to be another great weekend in the NFL. Week five, if you're keeping track. And who better to break down for fantasy football owners out there everything that's going on in the NFL than my good friend, 
He is the guru <laughs> of fantasy football for the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. If you've not checked out our full episodes today, you're missing out on all the great fantasy football information. You can find it every week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other different podcast outlets. It is my good friend, and I won't do the guru again. Only one a week. Only one. I'm trying to limit myself to one guru a week. <laughs> if it is. Tyler Baker. What's going on, man? Well, it's the first time I've ever been called a guru. <laughs> I, Something, I like that. Something like that. <laughs> Before we start off, my friend, I do want to thank again Chris Sardieri of Inside yeah. Sports. He was on our most recent Fantasy Football Pater podcast. It's about 40, 45 minutes long of nothing but great conversation. If you've not caught it today, I highly recommend it. it like I said, on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, a lot of great stuff, a lot of great back and forth on what's going on in the NFL. Hope to get him on again real soon. He is just very happy about the New England running back situation now that he got to pick up Sonny Michelle. Yes, I did too in a league, actually in a couple leagues. I have him on my dynasty league, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah, it was great having Chris on. Chris is a really smart guy, really knows the game of football, and it was it was it was really fun talking with him. Yes, it was. And we're looking forward to more conversations with him down the road. But it is week five coming mm -hmm. up in the NFL. A lot of good matchups I want to talk to you about. But the first thing I want to throw at you is kind of like a curveball because it's a mm. team we've actually, I'm not going to beat around a bush, my friend. We've ignored <laughs> them. We've virtually ignored <laughs> them. Only a couple mentions over the first few weeks. And I apologize <laughs> to everybody in the Ohio area that are big fans of the Cincinnati Bengals because they are deserving of attention. They do have a lot of fantasy football prospects, mm -hmm. people that you they should do. put on your team, players that you should have starting. What do you need to look forward to when you're looking at Cincinnati as far as from a fantasy football perspective? Are there any other players out there that you want to make sure that you focus on them as being part of your fantasy football team? Yeah, the Bengals are playing well this year. They are 3-1. and one. That's a pretty good record. The AFC North is pretty competitive this year. Andy Dalton has been playing really well. Remember last year, they came into the season and had some really big offensive line problems. It seems like they've worked on it in the offseason. The line is giving Andy Dalton time. Unfortunately, Tyler Eifert is out for the year. He had an absolute gruesome break on his ankle. Tyler Croft and CJ Uzmanzada are like the next tight ends up. But I think the biggest beneficiary is going to be Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd has shown that Andy Dalton trusts him. And while Boyd is not the most athletic, physically gifted receiver, he just plays really smart. He puts himself in good positions. He has a good rapport with Andy Dalton. And while AJ Green is going to take a lot of attention from the defensive backs. I think you're going to see Tyler Boyd work the middle of the field more. So that passing offense is very potent. Now, Joe Mixon has been out for a couple of weeks. He is going to come back this week. And it looks like that Giovanni Bernard, he hasn't been practicing this week. So I would expect that Joe Mixon is going to come back this week and step into a full workload. So you think Joe Mixon is going to be the key down the road for the next few games until Giovanni Bernard comes back, where it goes into kind of like a split backfield situation again, even though Joe Mixon would normally be getting the majority or the bulk of the carries. 
I think Joe Mixon moving forward is going to be the guy there. Giovanni Bernard will have a role, but Mixon is just a better runner, especially between the tackles. He's runs with more power. He can do all the things that Gio can do, just bigger, better, faster, in my opinion. Once again, those are some pointed words from our good friend, Tyler Baker at the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. You got to check out our full episodes today on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many other podcast outlets. Another great game I was talking to you about just before we went on the air was in going to was going to be in Philadelphia between two teams that are very good still, but I don't think they're as really dominant as they were this time last year from both a record-wise, playing-wise, and fantasy football-wise, stat-wise perspective. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on Minnesota and Philadelphia. Fast forward to a year later, Mm -hmm. what is it now like for the situations for each for both Minnesota and Philadelphia? Well, Philadelphia, they're still developing. Remember, they started the season without two of their biggest weapons, Carson Wentz, Ashawn Jeffrey. They're back now. You know, JHIE's got this this back issue, and I don't really have a super strong opinion on how that's going to affect him moving forward. He's always had health problems, whether it, it was no cartilage in his knee or, you know, there was always something, and he's managed to play through it. He said it's a pain tolerance thing, uh, but it's a back fracture, and and maybe that sounds worse than it is. But my point is, this Philadelphia team is going to begin to be the team that they were last year. They've got their key pieces on offense back, and I think in the next couple of weeks they're gonna they're gonna gel, put it all together, and you sprinkle in some healthy Darren Sproles once he gets back, and we're gonna see that offense that we saw last year. Now in Minnesota, you know, it's just a different team. We saw the Bills just give them an absolute whooping a couple weeks ago. There's still a lot of fantasy value in this team. So they might be one, two, and one. There's still a lot of fantasy value. And when they get Dalvin Cook back, he is questionable for this weekend. He's he's one of those guys where I'm, I, I don't know yet if he's going to play or not. But once they get a healthy Dalvin Cook, that offense just has so many weapons, and it's going to come down to Kirk Cousins. And what we saw in that Buffalo game is what I've seen as a Redskins fan for years is that Kirk Cousins is kind of a momentum player. So if things aren't going good, Kirk Cousins is not really the guy that's going to bring them out of it. But if things are going great, he can perform marvelously. And I've noticed with Kirk Cousins over the years that sometimes in key points in games, he just kind of mentally breaks down some. So I know Minnesota fans are hoping that he's outgrowing that and that he's getting better than that. He's still kind of a young quarterback, but this is still a very, very potent team. And as far as fantasy, there's a lot of fantasy value. I mean, if you have Adam Thielen, you got him third, fourth round, you're super happy with him. He's been putting up great numbers, Stefan Diggs. And as terrible as the tight end landscape has been, Kyle Rudolph has been pretty solid this year. So there's still a lot of fantasy value on this Minnesota team. And if you have one of those starters, Dalvin Cook, either one of the receivers, Kyle Rudolph, you feel comfortable playing them every week. Those are some pointed words indeed from our good friend Tyler Baker of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Again, we have new full episodes each week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also many other podcast outlets. Any last thoughts on the way out? It looks like it's going to be a pretty good week 
mm-hmm. week five. I see a lot of good matchups out there, including the Raiders coming into your favorite stadium in Carson to meet the Los Angeles Chargers, <laughs> where that will be like an extended home game for the Oakland Raiders on that one again. You've also got, I think, an underrated fantasy football game where there's going to be a lot of points scored. To me, is Green Bay at Detroit. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored there. Is there any other thing that you're seeing as far as trends are concerned? Any other key injuries, key moves people may need to make? Any waiver wire pickups or anything else anyone needs to know before heading into week five in the NFL? Well, Green Bay has certainly got some concerns. Toronto Allison looks like he's not going to play. Randall Cobb is not going to play. So they have Devontae Adams, who is questionable. Also, he hurt his calf in practice on Wednesday and didn't practice on Thursday. So that's pretty concerning. So behind that, they have a trio of rookie wide receivers. So while Aaron Rodgers is getting healthy, it'll be interesting because Detroit's offense certainly has the ability to put up points. Yeah, there's a couple of good divisional matchups this week. You mentioned Oakland having a home game in LA. That'll be good. The Rams will go to Seattle. That's a good one. In Arizona, you're really hoping that they've understood that they have to give David Johnson the ball. So against San Francisco, I hope to see David Johnson come out this week and be the David Johnson that you drafted in the first round. That would certainly make fantasy footballers happy. Also, my Washington Redskins travel to New Orleans on Monday night, and I know I'm going to be really excited to see that. There's going to be some points scored there because in Mm -hmm. the Superdome, you're definitely going to see a lot of action there, I think, with New Orleans offense. And now that Mark Ingram is Mm -hmm. back, although Alvin Kamara is going to still be the main back for the New Orleans Saints, they're going to get a fresh body thrown in there in the form of Mark Ingram that could provide Mm -hmm. a different sort of dynamic for that already potent New Orleans offense. Yeah, you might see them go a little bit more conservative, a little bit more running, but Mark Ingram can catch the ball out of the backfield. So there's still going to be plenty of fantasy numbers here and Washington fresh coming off of a bye. Washington's going to need to show that they can put points up, even though they have a very mediocre receiving core. They're going to have to prove that they can score points because they're going to have to against New Orleans. I would expect to see quite a bit of Chris Thompson and Jamison Crowder has been kind of quiet this year. I think it's about time for him to have a breakout game. Tyler, it looks like it's going to be another fantastic weekend in the NFL. Can't wait to experience it. Can't wait to watch all the games. Yeah. Just so glad, again, to hear your knowledge. And if anyone has any questions out there for their league, for their team, if they need to do a trade, if they're thinking about doing a waiver wire pickup, where do they need to go and who do they need to talk to when it comes to fantasy football? You can go to Facebook, go to the search bar and type in Fantasy Football Pater Podcast and you will see our group. You can join the group and you can take a screenshot of your team, a screenshot of the waiver wire. You can ask, start, sit questions. Do I play this guy or this guy? It's a really good way to get tailored advice for your team. If people want to go ahead and send it discreetly, you can always be DM'd as well, direct messaging. Or if you need to, you can also email it through us at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I get a lot of direct messages because some of the people in the group are playing against other people in the group. And so they want to kind of keep it quiet. So you don't have to post it on the feed there. You can always just send a message. 
Well, I'm hiding all my transactions from you because I am playing <laughs> you in one of the groups that is out there. So definitely trying to keep that on the down low for that one. But my other one, hey, actually undefeated so far. So we'll have to wait and see. Hey, right on. Hey, I might know something after all. <laughs> Just something, not too much. You keep good company. <laughs> there you go. There you go. My friend, it's always great to have you on the show. Part of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. And of course, right here on the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the program to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford along with my good friend Josh Peterson. We are on seven days a week on radio stations worldwide and also on over 30 different podcast networks. For a listing of many of those options, check it out today on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just go to Pop Culture Cosmos and you'll see it right there. Josh, you've got a great thing going on with Humanic Media and a lot of great stuff going on there. What is truly going on with your awesome experience known as Humanic Media? We just put a new episode of Topic Topicocalypse out into the ether. Just a, one of those weird episodes, you know, where you just sit around and catch up. We had a topic going, and then we had a bunch of rants happen, and the rants ended up taking up the podcast time. So we uh, just called the episode Catching Up, and you can check it out now. You want to hear everyone's thoughts weighing in on politics and stuff like that and ev- what everyone's been up to in video games. And it's just a few dudes sitting around a table chatting it up so definitely check it out it's out there now and we'll have a new episode ready for you guys on sunday night and don't forget topic apocalypse is on every week on the podcast radio network every tuesday night 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific josh i think we'll start off with some good news which is the latest star wars television show that is on the way that's being overseen by john favreau himself the name was released this week. So tell me, my friend, what's in the name when it comes to Mandalorian? You know, I was out walking my dogs and I was trying to think about how I wanted to approach this topic. And I really just want to open with this. I'll be honest, man. I don't care about Star Wars anymore. <laughs> it's it's sad, but the, all, they have just used up my good grace. And it's not just the episode eight thing. It's I'm just burnt out. I, I, I don't care anymore. I'll watch the show just to see what's going on with it. but. I just I'm not excited about it and like the whole the Mandalorian I, I'm intrigued I know that George Lucas before he sold to Disney was working on like what what did the streets look like in Star Wars you know that that whole like uh, underground street crime syndicate scene what does that look like and I know it was going to center around Boba Fett so maybe this is kind of the brainchild of George Lucas that we're going to be seeing here I mean in which case that, that does sound interesting right a more grittier side of that universe that we don't see often but I guess it'd just be if uh, I'll depend on if Disney didn't Disneyfy it, you know, if that makes sense. Well, I will say this, that the first pictures of the set have been already released as well. And it is of 
guess who? Boba Fett right there. So it is going to be something like that, dealing and detailing the underground of the Star Wars lore. The Mandalorians, according to what we're seeing on different outlets, it deals with the planet Mandalore in the Star Wars universe. Like you said, it was just going to be something where it deals with the grittier side, maybe dealing with a lot of gangs, so a lot of intrigue and crime and, and stuff like that. And obviously, when you're dealing with Boba Fett as one of your main players, if not your main player, it's going to deal a lot with the heavy underside of the actual Star Wars universe and the Star Wars lore. Maybe even can see another rebirth or, or reimagining of Job the Hut. Hopefully, it will deal with subjects that will be intriguing and something that will follow. Maybe not be reliant on any Jedi or any battles between the Empire or the Rebellion or, or dealing with that that we're so used to seeing. This was something maybe a little bit grittier, a little bit darker. Elements of what we saw in Rogue One will be hopefully transposed here into this television series. And we're looking to get a different side of it when it comes to Star Wars The Mandalorian. Definitely looking forward to actually just giving it a shot and seeing if it's something that is going to hold our interest when it comes to another side of the Star Wars universe. And on a plus side, looks like now we won't have to have that Boba Fett spinoff movie that everybody didn't want to see. Well, I'm not going to say everybody didn't want to see it. I want to say we didn't want to see it. I know there was that vocal minority that just go gaga over anything Boba Fett that still are hoping for that. But I I think this is probably what they're going to get instead. It's the jetpack, I'm telling you. Last time I heard, I think he's still digesting slowly over thousands of years, if I'm not mistaken. So... Uh, there's a weird like conspiracy that he escaped or he was pooped out or something or he I don't know. People seem to think that he's not being digested anymore though, so maybe he's not. Uh, who knows? Maybe the Sarlacc pit had too much to drink and puked him out. But yeah. I know drinking's been a hot topic these days in the world, so let's not really go there. <laughs> also, that's on tap for pop culture is something I want also want to talk about because rumor has it that there could possibly be an upgraded or an updated Nintendo Switch coming out sometime in 2019. What are your thoughts on an upgraded Nintendo Switch? Is it something that you were interested in, or is it something that people may want to hold off on getting because of the fact that if it is substantially better, maybe it will give them pause for buying a Nintendo Switch this holiday? That's weird because... I read a lot of articles and nobody knows what makes it better. Faster download speeds, maybe better wireless connection. I don't know because... They talked also about possibly even being a better screen. But there's not really anything about the current Switch that I'm unsatisfied with. The screen, yeah, when it's light outside, it's hard to see. Like when you go into Skyrim and you go into a dungeon, it's super hard to see anything in there. But that's really my only complaint. As for the rest of it, like everything works, everything's smooth. I don't have any moments like I do when I'm, you know, on the Xbox or PlayStation where it freezes and I got to start everything over again. I haven't suffered from that yet, but I really want to know what they could possibly do to the Switch that would make it better, I guess. Because you can't really do like a slimmer Switch, which is the, the trend with consoles. So I don't know, man. And if you make it substantially faster, if you give it more RAM or if you give it anything else, uh, even a higher res OLED screen, that possibly could lead into a higher price for individuals. And I'm not willing to pay more than 300 for it. 
And that to me is just where I draw the line is in regards to a Nintendo Switch, which I like the portability. I'm thinking about getting one, but with the resolution and what it does now processor wise, I'm only going to pay a certain amount. And if it's only going to be a, a little bit better or a little bit faster, a little bit more powerful or a little bit more capable of handling whatever online service Nintendo wants to dish out on it. I'm not sure if I'm ready and willing to pay the difference on that. I think I'm going to be just fine if I do decide to get a Nintendo Switch with the ones that are out already. Well, here's what I've been telling people too. Like everyone thinks that it's going to get a price drop. I don't see it getting a price drop anytime soon, but you can get a refurbished one now. I, I want to say for like 240 or something from, I think it was GameStop I was looking at, but I would tell them to go get a refurbished one instead of buying whatever this new and improved Switch is just because, like I said, I don't have any issues with the Switch as of right now. And I'd have to know more about what it is. Does it come with games on the hard drive? Are they are they selling us like a classic type bundle? Like, how is this going to work? And as for like the imminent release of the Xbox and the PlayStation, whatever their next iterations are, the Switch is a Switch, man. It's kind of a whole other animal here because just because of the, the portability of it. And that's what makes it so great is that they can literally like do no wrong in the eyes of the fans right now, with the exception of making games that can't quite be processed by the Switch, I guess, and you're stuck with lag and all that stuff. But right now, they're kind of ahead of the game. So whatever it is they have to offer, I'm curious about it, but I'm not going to tell people not to buy the other one if it's cheaper, I guess. I cannot agree with you more on that. And it looks like that even though there is another one in the distance when it comes to a revamped unit for the Nintendo Switch, I still think it's probably in your best interest now to go and look for deals right now on a Nintendo Switch or for this holiday season. What are your thoughts on both the Nintendo Switch possibly getting a new model for 2019 and also as well Star Wars, the new series called The Mandalorian based off the gritty underworld on the planet of Mandalore? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, Josh, I want to end the show on a kind of a bummer note for us, man. With Avengers 4 coming up, Chris Evans recently tweeted out that he is done, 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 because he thought he was done before with any reshoots for Avengers 4. He said officially he's done, done, done for all the reshoots for Avengers 4 and anything else that they needed for it and has said in the past and was kind of alluding to it in this latest tweet that this will most likely be it for him in this character as far as Captain America is concerned. How sad is it for you when you heard those words and the likelihood of Captain America, Chris Evans version, mind you, not being an integral part of the MCU going forward after Avengers 4? I read all the stuff and I've, I've been seeing all the speculation and I I think that they should not have allowed him to make a tweet like that because not only is it fueling speculation that Captain America dies in Avengers 4, it makes it feel like it's going into spoiler territory a little bit, wouldn't you say? Well, he's had this conversation before. I, I remember that famous interview he did with Good Morning America where he had the mustache, didn't have the full beard going on, but he had the full, he had the mustache going on. And he said that his contract is finito after Avengers 4. And I think he also did something with either the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. He said he knows what time to get off the MCU train before he's pushed off. I think it was, I'm just paraphrasing, mind you, but the idea was that 
he wants to get out while he is still favorable to audiences and not overstay his welcome. And I get that and I understand, but I don't think he's even close to being done with the series as far as from a fan's perspective. I know virtually everybody appreciates him in his character. And I think he's embodied the spirit of Captain America much better than anyone has ever thought it was going to be the case. He also joked that he could come back as the Human Torch if they reboot the Fantastic Four. I thought that was kind of funny that he was going to reboot himself as Johnny Blaze. <laughs> but be that as it may, it is going to be still a very sad time when he finally hangs it up. But yeah, all roads, man, are leading towards to and all pointing towards to a ending for not only him, but Robert Downey Jr. as well as Iron Man. Yeah, it's sad. It's the end of an era. Kevin Feige has specifically stated, though, that the next era of Marvel films is going to be female-centered. So, you know, I, I just don't see, like, two powerhouse male actors existing in that fold very well, if that makes sense. I know Doctor Strange will be in there for sure, but you can only show the same characters for so long. It would be cool to maybe bring them back in some fashion later on, but... It is sad, but at the same time, it seemed more like an inevitability than anything else. I was hoping for something like a Nick Fury type role because I love Nick Fury in his role being that overarching mentor throughout the entire series to be like that conscious that shows up at the right time to bounce off of. And I was hoping that Chris Evans, Captain America character, Steve Rogers character would actually evolve into something like that long term as he grows older he would actually still be relied upon as that source of, of knowledge and experience. And maybe you could still have Sebastian Stan be the everyday Captain America or Anthony Mackie get into the role of Captain America because their characters in the comic books have played that role, either Winter Soldier or Falcon playing that role of Captain America. I understand Winter Soldier played it first and then Falcon after that. But at this point in time, we're not sure what the long-term goal is. Kevin Feige has pulled the trigger on deviating things from the comic books that he thinks makes more sense for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I just think at this point in time, it's really not a enthusiastic as much as I hope to, as much as I'm excited to see Avengers 4. I'm still sad thinking that this will probably be the last turn for Iron Man and Captain America. Yeah, oh, for sure. I it's It is sad, man, because we kind of, in a way, grew up with these characters or... You know, I was in what I was in high school, I want to say, when the f first Iron Man came out. So, yeah, it's definitely a sad goodbye just in the same way that like one graduates high school and goes on to college. It's just new things are around the bend. Maybe they're better. Who knows? But you always look back on these previous Marvel films with fondness. You know, it's uh, and then when nostalgia kicks in, you just go back and watch them again. I guess so, man. I guess so. What are your thoughts out there on Captain America and Chris Evans departing from the Marvel Cinematic Universe if it should come to pass? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, plus also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And speaking of Game Source, coming up soon, we will have episodes. Jamie Monroy and his crew have already started recording episodes of the Game Source podcast. Going to see if we can actually start putting those out there in the next few days. So look forward to that and look forward to more great things from the Pop Culture Cosmos universe as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. 
It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.